0: second week of our series, See All the People. And our scripture today comes from Luke chapter six, verses 17 through 26. And so if you want to follow along up here or follow along within your Bible, feel free to do so. But it is written, Jesus came down from the mountain with them, his disciples, and stood on a large area of level ground. A great company of his disciples and a huge crowd of people from all around Judea and Jerusalem and the area around Tyre and Sidon joined him there. They came to hear him and to be healed from their diseases. And those bothered by unclean spirits were healed. The whole crowd wanted to touch him because power was going out from him and he was healing everyone. Jesus raised his eyes to his disciples and said, Happy are you who are poor, because God's kingdom is yours. Happy are you who hunger now, because you will be satisfied. Happy are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Happy are you when people hate you, reject you, insult you, And condemn your name as evil because of the human one. Rejoice when that happens. Leap for joy because you have a great reward in heaven. Their ancestors did the same things to the prophets. But how terrible for you who are rich because you have already received your comfort. How terrible for you who have plenty now because you will be hungry. How terrible for you who laugh now, because you will mourn and weep. How terrible for you when all speak well of you. Their ancestors did the same things to the false prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you meet us in our... Our attitude of worship, when we open ourselves and we give and receive and we join in the dance with your Holy Spirit who ignites us, and then we carry out the mission, the purpose. We breathe the life of your mission. And I ask that you speak now, that the scripture we hear, that what I say, that the meditations that we ponder upon in our hearts, that all of it may be acceptable, that it all may be pleasing to you, that you speak through me in spite of me and that we hear you in spite of ourselves. Lord, I thank you that you continue to be faithful and speak. May we hear you now. You alone are our rock and redeemer, Lord. Amen. Amen. It's a passage. I don't think anyone looks forward to preaching this passage. Um, How do you... How do you present this in a way that has people feeling good? We want to feel good when we come to church, right? We want to come and bask in the love of God, which offers life and light, these wonderful words we use. And then we hear the scripture today and we think, oh man, this is going to be heavy. Maybe I'll sit in the back. Maybe I won't even come today because this is tough. It's tough for all of us. And I want to point out, I want to walk through this a bit, but I want to walk through it as the gospel writer presents it rather than how maybe you've often heard it or read it. Uh, Because I think how the gospel writer presents it matters. And I can't really talk about how the gospel writer presents it until I talk about what's going on in the world of the gospel writer, what's going on in the world of Jesus at this time. At the time of Jesus walking the earth, he was in the land that we would call Judah or Galilee or Samaria, we call it Israel. He was in this land walking amongst people who everywhere they saw, they saw signs that someone else on the earth was in control. They saw the eagle of Rome. They saw centurions and soldiers. They saw tax collectors. They saw decrees from Caesar. It was made abundantly clear who is in charge, who has control of their lives, their land, their finances, their future of their children. And they were probably wondering, where is God? Because Caesar doesn't worship God. Caesar proclaims to be God, or a son of God. Where is God? And so in the time of the writing, there were all sorts of divisions and groups amongst the people of Israel who were responding to this reality in different ways. Some wanted to pick up a sword and fight. Some wanted to point the finger at other people and say, well, it's their fault. If they would just live rightly, God would bless us. And there were others still that said, you know, we just need to keep praying. Um, We just need to keep working. We just need to obey Caesar. We just, and, and on and on. Some left. This was a divided world and people wondering what is going to happen? What are we going to do? And the way that the world was set up, some people in Israel were even benefiting from this setup, this world, this system. And they were quite comfortable, quite comfortable. Receiving money from Rome and kind of ignoring what God wanted to do, kind of compromising their faith and their goals and their, their practice. And Jesus knows that, not too, too many years from when this was said, that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The whole system's going to be set on fire, literally. And a lot of these people that are comfortable, they're going to be weeping. They are not going to be experiencing comfort and satisfaction. They're not going to be rich anymore. He's trying to warn them. Now, in this system, the way that he presents what we read today, they're they're in an honor-shame system, which is much different than our world, and they believed that if you were rich or if you had plenty to eat, if you were well thought of, if you were satisfied with the way the world was set up, that was was a blessing from God. You were being blessed. And on the opposite end, if you were in poverty or poor, if you were uh, stricken with illness, if you were not satisfied if you were hungry, then they said, well, get right with God if you want to experience God's blessing. You were cursed because you aren't living rightly. That was their worldview. There's even a verse in Old Testament that says, if you die from hanging on a tree, you are cursed. Where did Jesus die? Hanging on a tree. Jesus is offering something that's that's so backward to what people were used to that He had to do it in a very particular way. Now, if we were to turn back to chapter 4, right in the middle, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth to begin his ministry, and the first thing he does is proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the good news. And this good news is for the poor, for the captive, for the blind, and the oppressed. And then he goes on to say, and just so you know, hometown people of Nazareth, good Jewish people, my brothers and sisters and family, when God sends blessing, he sent like Elijah and Elisha. They went to Gentiles. Do you not know this story? And, of course, their response was to try to throw Jesus off of a cliff because that's what people do when they don't hear what they're expecting to hear. That's how Jesus begins his ministry. That's not the, that's not the way you present a ministry in, in a good light, right? If you're going to tell the story, you don't tell it that way, but that's how Luke tells it. And then they might say, well, prove it. How do we know that the day of the Lord is breaking in. Well, if you keep going in chapter 4 and into chapter 5, what we have are people being healed. People who are being sick, being healed. People who were paralyzed, being lifted up. People who had unclean spirits, being cleansed. And then the disciples are called. Now, Jesus, right before this reading today, has gone up onto a mountain, and we find the naming of the 12 disciples. There were more than 12, but we find 12 named because it, it's specific. Because way back in Jesus' ancestors' day, we have the law, which is we call the law of Moses. And we go back to Leviticus, and there's all sorts of laws listed. If you follow the laws, you'll be blessed. You'll receive the blessing of God. The translation today, by the way, happy. You can read it, blessed. Follow the laws, and you'll be blessed. So one of them was, if you wear a shirt with two different kinds of fabric, you're in sin. Anybody here guilty of this sin today? Don't eat pork. Any bacon or sausage eaters? Anybody going to have bacon or sausage or or pepperoni pizza or anything like that? you going to invite me over, hopefully? If you follow the laws, you'll be blessed. That is the way of Israel. These laws were given to make Israel a separate people. It's not because not eating pork is somehow better or more holy. It's because it was different. God said, I want you to be different and not like the rest of the world. They all do their thing. We're going to do our thing, my thing. Follow me, and I'll lead you into something better. But the whole point of it was, through this different way of living, others would see it and want to be a part of it. Now, we all know that pretty much from Leviticus on, we have lots of stories of how they got close to doing it and then failed miserably, and then got close to doing it and then failed miserably. And that's the story of humanity, amen? Jesus calls 12 because there were 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus calls 12 apostles because Jesus is establishing a new Israel up on the mountain with 12 names. Now, what is this Israel going to be about? We expect to hear the law. Well, we do. But what's interesting about the way Luke presents it, different than Matthew, Jesus doesn't stay on the mountain like Moses to offer the law above the people. Do you feel like I'm above you right now or am I in relationship with you? Do you feel connected to me? Both? What about now? Better? What about now? Hi. Hi. Jesus came down from the mountain with them and stood on a large area of level ground. We're hearing echoes back when Mary lifted up the Magnificat in response to learning she was going to be carrying the Lord, when she said, mountains will be lowered, valleys will be raised up. Here's Jesus on level ground, no mountain or valley. This is level. Jesus is with you. Jesus is in equality with the people standing around him because he's not coming to Lord over the way they're used to. He's coming to be with them. God with us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And people were coming expecting, they were looking for something. And they found it in Jesus. Maybe they didn't even know what it was. Maybe you relate to that. I find something in Jesus, I'm just not sure what it is. And that's fair. You're here, and that's great. The expectant crowd, they came and it says they wanted to hear him, to be healed by him. To be healed from their diseases and unclean spirits. They wanted to touch him because power was coming out of him and they wanted to receive it. They came with expectations of what Jesus was all about. And then Jesus kind of lowers the boom, so to speak. That's my theological term. Jesus raises his eyes to his disciples, not to the crowd, to his disciples. And he utters these blessings and woes. They may be in your translation. Happy are the poor, the hunger. Happy are those who weep. Happy are those when people hate you, reject you, insult you. And woe to you if you are rich, fed, satisfied, and of good reputation. Now, this is, I imagine the disciples were kind of like me and were like, huh? Uh, that's not exactly how it works in this world. And Jesus says, exactly. Exactly. I've come here to usher in the kingdom of God amidst the world. The way of the kingdom is not the way of the world. If you go by the way of the world, those who want to fight Rome, well, you're going to see what's going to happen. And they did. They got crushed. If you want to be in the way of forgiveness and love and mercy, you will see what kind of life that will bring. What I think he's saying to the disciples is, if you've come here expecting me to do what you want to do because you think you have power, you think you have control, you think you have good reputation and status, you're gonna be very disappointed in me. In fact, you may be one of these people that shouts crucify me here before too long. But if you're one of these people, and think who who the crowd were. The crowd were the sick, the diseased, the demon-possessed. They were people who were having problems. If you're seeking healing, it's because you are unhealed at the moment. They were coming not with any expectation other than to be healed. And they received it. They depended upon Jesus just to receive what Jesus had to give, and they found themselves blessed and in a right relationship with Jesus in that moment of, I need you. I just want to receive from you. Whereas those who came and said, Jesus, you better say what I'm expecting you to say, you better not eat with those people. You better not uplift this idea. You better play by the rules. They probably walked away feeling a little more woeful. Well, so where are we in the crowd? Or are we a disciple? I wonder, Jesus was pretty clever, you know. He raises his eyes to the disciples, but the crowds are there. He talks to them in the midst of the crowd who can overhear it. So I wonder if all the people of our neighbors, neighborhoods and community gathered around to hear what Jesus had to say to us as the church, and if we heard things like happy or blessed or in right standing or in a good place, are you who are poor or hungry, those who weep and those who are insulted and rejected, and how terrible for those who are rich, who are fed, who are comfortable, and who have good reputations how would they hear that news given to us? If we then walked out as the church into the world bearing the name of Christ, what might they expect from us about what we're about? Yeah, that's what they expect now, right? They expect now, say someone in the back was doing this, because that's, that's often what the church reveals. That's not what we see here. It's as if Jesus says, if you're in a place where you're just ready to receive the kingdom for what it is, which is way more than the law. The law can do lots of great things, but it will not save you. If you're ready to receive what I have come to bring in, which is not a world upside down, a world right side up, then you're going to find life and salvation for your soul. But if you need to hang on to how you see things and what's comfortable for you, how terrible it will be. Jesus comes to usher in an Israel in a whole, not new way of thinking, it was always the way of thinking, but said in a fulfilled and clear way. And then it's as almost, he's like, are you going to follow me? If you're expecting me to follow you, that's not going to go so well. But if you want to follow me, I'll be with you. I will give you everything you want if you're wanting the right things. Be the new Israel. Come to Jesus expecting only to receive and then enter into the world in such a way that people realize there's something different with this group. They're not like the other groups in town that do good things. They're not like the other groups that we see that cause division and are picking up swords and pointing their fingers. They're not like that. This group's different. And man, their way is backwards. But wow, is it life-giving. I think that's what Jesus came to reveal and to call us as disciples because he established a new symbolic Israel in the 12. But who's Israel today? You call Jesus Lord, raise your hand, nice and high. Raise your hand. Are you Israel? You are. Not because of procreation, not because of family lineage, because you have faith like Abraham. If you have faith, you are Israel. What kind of Israel will we be? The expectant crowd is out there, and they are seeking just like we are. Will we tell them what we've found? Will we let go of what we hope to find to receive what there is truly to find? Will we lose ourselves that we might gain our soul? I hope so, and I'm with you. Don't think, I'm with you. Okay, I don't have this figured out. We are in this together, and I am so glad to be in this together with you. We're not going to solve the world's problems today or tomorrow with a snap of a finger. It's not going to happen. But we can take one step further in that direction. And I want to do it with you. And I hope you want to do it with me. And I hope we can all do it in the way that Jesus invites us. And we let these hard rules just tear us up inside in the most wonderful, beautiful way. That as we die to ourselves, new life is birth. Because God wants nothing more than for that to be a part of God's relationship with you. Amen? Please pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you see us. You see us in ways that we have never even seen ourselves. And we get lost, Lord. We get lost in our own ideals. We get lost in the shames that we pronounce upon ourselves so much to the point that we feel we got to do it to other people because that somehow makes us feel better. Lord, we're tired. We're just tired of this way. Tired of sitting in the anger that burns in the pits of our stomachs. We're tired of being fearful. You offer us something that is so beyond what we could ever imagine on our own you offer it freely and you offer to walk with us every step of the way whatever is holding us back lord help us to see it and to let it go help us to trust that when we are weeping now that we will find joy and laughter that if we are hungry now we will find our stomachs full that if we are dissatisfied in a world of injustice That one day the world will be set to rights and we will experience true joy. And Lord, if we are rich, there's nothing wrong with the money. But if we start serving it, we're lost. Help us to let it all go. That we may come to you as dependent as a child. As dependent as someone who has nothing. That we may receive you fully and that we may walk in the way of Jesus Christ. Amen.